Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it is good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio. Love bringing this show to you every week. It's one of my favorite things to do, and this week is no exception. I've got what I consider to be a really nice combination of topics here. I've got uh, Back to School Part 2. Last week we talked about Back to School Back to school, back to school, immune health for your kids and for yourself. You know, we uh, send our kids away into that kind of cesspool environment at the school where there's all kinds of germs and bacteria just awaiting, lurking around every corner. And of course, the common way to defend yourself nowadays is antibacterial wipes and soap and gels and You know, all that kind of stuff. But that's not how we do it. We don't go after those bacteria by just wiping them all out with antibiotics. We go after it by boosting our own immune health. I talked a lot about that last week. If you have questions about that, of course, you can call us at Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful. 107 South, 500 West is where you can find Vitality Nutrition. That's the store that sponsors Vitality Radio. That is the store that's been in my family for 41 years this month. Crazy to even think about that. I just turned 46 and yeah, wow, 41 years. We've been there in Bountiful serving you by helping you with all your nutrition questions and helping you with your needs in every way that we possibly can. You just give us a call. 801-292-6662 is where you can reach us at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful. This week, I'm not going to be talking about immune health in detail, but the rant does have a little bit about immunity in there. We're going to talk about some really kind of scary stuff, some kind of corporate conspiracy stuff, some government conspiracy stuff, and this is all stuff that's being documented in a, well, let's say was documented in a court case that just finally got its verdict last week on the 10th. This is a good rant. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I'm also going to talk for the second half of the show about back-to-school health with the brain, things that can help your kids focus and concentrate a little bit better, be a little more attentive, some stuff that's got some excellent research. So stay tuned for a bunch of good information on this episode of Vitality Radio. All right, so Vitality is uh, getting more and more involved in social media. We're doing posts almost daily now on Facebook. We'll be starting up with Instagram here very soon. I know we're a little behind on that one. You can also find us on our website, vitalitynutrition.com. If you want to join the conversation on Facebook, hit us up on facebook.com slash vitalityradio. All right, so without further ado, I'd like to get into the rant this day. It is a good one. We're a little fired up about what's going on with our 
good buddies at Monsanto. And it's time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right. What's Monsanto doing nowadays? Well, they're getting hammered in a court of law in California. Friday, August 10th, this is just over a week ago now, a California jury found chemical giant Monsanto liable in an unprecedented lawsuit. Dwayne Johnson, not The Rock, but this guy is a rock star because he is the first one to finally bring Monsanto down in a court of law for the a cancer-causing chemical called glyphosate. You may not recognize it by that name. It's also known as Roundup. Okay, so what did Dwayne Johnson do? He's a former school groundskeeper, and he alleged that the company's products, including Roundup Pro and Ranger Pro, both glyphosate-based weed killers, caused his cancer. Furthermore, claims that the company was aware of the carcinogenic effects of glyphosate and covered it up for decades. The ruling said that the potential risks of the products were known by the scientific community and that the company failed to adequately warn of the dangers. The company was ordered to pay get this, $289 million in damages. And Monsanto, of course, says they will appeal the decision. Now, there's some really interesting stuff here. Johnson, whose doctors predict he only has a few months left to live uh, as he uh, continues to undergo treatment for non-Hodgkin lymphoma, he says that he hopes his case will help others in similar situations. Now, this is why it's important, because I don't know if Monsanto's going to have to pay the $289 million, and that sounds like a huge sum, right? But they're doing about $2 billion a year in Roundup sales, so $289 million is not that big in their case, but it could be. The outcome of this case which is the first such allegation against Monsanto that has actually gone to trial, may set a meaningful precedent for the more than 5,000 similar cases that have been brought against the company. Now, this is what happens with these things, right? Somebody wins a case, and everybody that thinks they've got a case jumps on the bandwagon, and that is what's going to happen here. And in this case, that's a good thing, because Monsanto... Oh my, what have we discovered from the Dwayne, the new rock star, Johnson, in this case? I'll tell you, we've discovered some crazy stuff. Monsanto denies that glyphosate, uh, or glyphosate, depending on who you ask, causes cancer, citing hundreds of studies conducted over the 40-plus years since glyphosate was first made available as a weed killer. That's back in 1974. 
2004, two years after I was born, the glyphosate first hit the market. The credibility of those studies is now coming under more scrutiny as email records released during the trial show that the company ghost wrote studies to misrepresent the results and worked closely with EPA officials to manipulate regulations. Imagine that. Corporate greed and government help go hand in hand nowadays, don't they? So on the website, the Union of Concerned Scientists dot org, it's actually UCSUSA dot org, Union of Concerned Scientists, United States of America, I suppose is what that stands for. They have a great article that really summarizes what has happened in this case in terms of the email records uh, that prove basically that Monsanto knew Roundup was dangerous, knew it caused cancer, covered it up, worked with government agencies to cover it up, and so on. Here are the four tactics that they used. Suppress the science, attack the messenger, manufacture counterfeit science, and finally, undermine independent scientific assessment. Now listen to this, this is crazy. Tactic one, suppress the science. Emails obtained through the court case show that Monsanto representatives had frequent communications with Jess Rowland, then associate director of the Health Effects Division at the Environmental Protection Agency's Office of Pesticide Programs and chair of the agency's Cancer Assessment Review Committee. This is not necessarily reason for concern alone. However, internal Monsanto emails indicate that Rowland tipped the company off to the IARC assessment before its release. The emails also wrote, quote, Roland as saying he would work to quash an evaluation of glyphosate by yet another branch of the U.S. government, the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, reportedly telling Monsanto officials, if I can kill this, I should get a, a medal. This suggests that Monsanto was working with staff inside a U.S. government agency in an inappropriate manner far outside of the established rules of public input in the decision-making process. Okay, so 2015, if we go backwards a little bit, the IARC, part of the EPA, stated that glyphosate probably is carcinogenic or, in other words, causes cancer. Prior to that, these emails prove that Jess Rowland, who was a big wig at the EPA, uh, was working closely with Monsanto to try and suppress that and apparently successfully got the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry reported uh, not to actually check up on glyphosate at all. And apparently he deserves a medal for this. And I would imagine he definitely received some money for this. So that's the first thing. If that doesn't upset you, how about this? Once the IR, IARC uh, assessment that glyphosate was a probable human carcinogen, uh, Monsanto not only disputed the findings, the company attacked the IARC's credibility, trying to discredit an, the internationally renowned agency by claiming it had fallen prey to agenda-driven bias. And sorry, it's not part of the EPA. It's part of the UN, the IARC. So that's an international agency, not a United States, not United States agency. But it was at the EPA that this Jess Rowland tipped off 
Monsanto that this was going to happen and then tried to help them and apparently with some success prevent the EPA and other government agencies from actually joining the fray against this glyphosate. So they first work with a government agency to suppress the information then they attack the IARC, which is a actually truly independent group. It's very interesting the way it works. I'm not a huge fan of the UN uh, for all kinds of reasons, but when it comes to this, this agency appears to be as above board as it can be. The next thing, manufacture counterfeit science. Now, this one is the one that blows my mind. The emails show that in February of 2015, Monsanto discussed manufacturing counterfeit science, ghostwriting a study for the scientific literature that would downplay the human health impacts of glyphosate and misrepresent the study as having come from an independent source. William Haydens, a Monsanto executive, suggested that the company could keep costs down by writing an article on the toxicity of glyphosate and having paid academics edit and sign their names, so to speak. Haydens recommended uh, that Monsanto contact the journal Critical Reviews in Toxicology since the company had done such a publication in the past at that journal. The lead author of the 2000 paper Hayden's referred to is Dr. Gary Williams, a faculty member at the New York Medical College. Williams' paper cites Monsanto studies. Thanks. Uh, let's see. Cites Monsanto studies. Thanks Monsanto for scientific support. Perhaps a euphemism for Monsanto funding, and fails to disclose or mention other direct involvement in its publication. The paper concludes that Monsanto's Roundup herbicide does not pose a human health risk to, to uh, humans. That's, anyway, so the point being that Monsanto in 2000 ghost wrote a paper, got it published as if it was real science, and now in 2015 plan to do the very same. And then they undermine the independent scientific assessments going through the independent science that proves that glyphosate is probably carcinogenic and uh, saying that no, it's not because we have all this science that says that it's not. And of course, now we know that all that science is probably a whole bunch of garbage. So Monsanto paying the price now for these misdeeds finally by now reportedly probably having to pay $289 million to Dwayne Johnson for his cancer that he uh, says that he uh, came or that he received cancer through the use long-term use of Roundup at his job uh, taking care of the grounds at a school so yeah this is actually a big deal it's actually very exciting I'm not all that excited about these lawsuits that are flying all over the place most of the time, but when a lawsuit has the potential to bring a giant corporate greed, blood-sucking entity like Monsanto to the to its knees, we have to root for this to actually happen, for the legal system to actually work for once and bring somebody to its knees. So this is exciting. All right, so that's the first part. Now I want to go into this glyphosate thing a little bit more in a little bit more detail and talk about my other concerns when it comes to glyphosate. 
Now, this is according to the U.S. National Library of Medicine. Since 1974, in the United States, over 1.6 billion kilos, now a kilo is 2.2 pounds, okay? So that means that we're at like 3.5 billion pounds of glyphosate have been applied to United States crops. Now, that's about 19% of the estimated global use of glyphosate, which is 8.6 billion kilos. Now, globally, glyphosate use has risen almost 15-fold since so-called Roundup-ready, genetically engineered glyphosate-tolerant crops were introduced in 1996. Two-thirds of the total volume of glyphosate applied in the U.S. from 1974 to 2014 has been sprayed in just the last 10 years. The corresponding share globally is 72%. So 72% of the Roundup being used over the last 10 years is actually here in the United States. And this is the number that, it to me, is just absolutely astounding. One kilogram for every hectare of U.S. cultivated cropland. That is about one half pound per acre. Sorry, almost one pound per acre. I'm doing the math wrong here. Almost one pound per acre annually of Roundup being applied in the U.S. Now, it's important to understand that that's per acre of farmland in America. Not per acre of farmland being where Roundup is being used, but per acre of farmland, period. That includes organic and so on and so forth. My point being that on the land that is being used, it's significantly higher than that. But if you think about that, that's an unbelievable amount. Now, why is that? Because Roundup-ready crops, genetically modified by Monsanto, the same people that sell Roundup, isn't that convenient? They sell the seeds to the farmers, and then they say you can spray as much Roundup on there as you want. And they literally use about four to five times as much glyphosate on their crops that are Roundup ready because the crop won't die with the Roundup, whereas it would die normally with Roundup if it wasn't a Roundup ready crop. So they're able to just crop dust the heck out of this stuff and absolutely rain it down on these crops and that means some really scary stuff for us because the levels are so high that it's become ubiquitous it's everywhere it's in the water it is even cropping up in organic food, not because it's being sprayed directly on the food, but because there's so much glyphosate in the, in the um, ecosystem now that we can't get rid of it. it. Even organic food in some cases have it. How do we know this? Well, this is crazy. About two or three days after the Dwayne Johnson case uh, came to its conclusion, we find out that the Environmental Working Group, a nonprofit organization that does some amazing work on toxicity, these are the guys that have the skindeep.org website that I've told you about, uh, where you can look at your skincare and body care products and decide how toxic they might be. 
these are the guys that publish the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, the Dirty Dozen being the 12 foods, or, or uh, I should say produce foods, you know, fruits and vegetables that we want to make sure you get organically because they're so heavily sprayed, and the Clean 15, the ones that maybe aren't as important to get organically because they're they're uh, not generally a lot of herbicides and pesticides used on them. So EWG does some great work. I cite their stuff on a regular basis. Well, this is a study they did that is really pretty frightening. Popular oat cereals, oatmeal, granola, and snack bars come with a hefty dose of the weed-killing poison Roundup, uh, according to these independent laboratory tests that EWG commissioned. EWG's test found glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup, in all but two of 45 samples of products made with conventionally grown oats. More than two-thirds of the samples had glyphosate levels above what the EWG scientists consider protective of children's health with an adequate margin of safety. So they, they found it in almost 100%, but two-thirds were too high to be considered potentially safe. Now, I talked about the organic thing. The 45 foods that they're talking about there were not organic foods. But get this, about one-third of 16 samples of food made with organically grown oats also had glyphosate. So that's what I was saying. It's so ubiquitous now that it's even starting to creep into the organic crops, but there is some hope, there is some comfort that I can provide for you because one of the big questions I get on a regular basis at Vitality Nutrition is, you know, does organic really matter? Do we even know if it's organic? You know, what are the regu regulations and so on and so forth? Let me tell you why organic matters. A couple of things. First off, almost all conventionally grown uh, foods, 43 out of 45, had Roundup in them or glyphosate, right? And two-thirds of those 43 items had unsafe levels according to what EWG deems unsafe. In the organic food samples, one-third, not, not nearly 100%, but one-third had glyphosate levels, and all of them were well below what's considered the health benchmark by EWG. So while organic isn't totally clean all the time because of the ubiquitous nature of Roundup. That's from cross-contamination, um, drifting glyphosate from crop dusters that are in neighboring fields, things like that that can get it into those crops. There's so little in there, comparatively speaking, that it's still a much, much safer alternative. Now, this is what's important. I have for years battled the same battle that I'm sure you have. If you've been thinking about, okay, do I buy organic? Do I buy non-GMO? Does it really matter? Is it that big of a deal? Because let's face it, it's more expensive, right? So I routinely buy a lot of organic and non-GMO food. A high percentage of what I buy is, is that way. I'm looking for that on the labels and so on and so forth. But when confronted with the option of a genetically, or sorry, a uh, organically grown uh, strawberry container versus a regular strawberry container, it's not always easy for me to pay $3.99 when I could pay 
199 or 249 and that's you know routinely the difference somewhere between maybe 20 and 50 percent more expensive sometimes as much as double and that is not easy to do but i'm feeding a five-year-old and an eight-year-old and that those two kids whose microbiome has just recently finished developing who really need as much support as they possibly can with their immune health well they ought to have the opportunity to eat clean food, right? And so I try as much as possible to get organic. And the more that I read and the more that I research and the more I recognize that people are routinely coming in with all kinds of nasty stuff, especially autoimmune disease is just going crazy right now. And mental health issues. I mean, everything from... ADD and ADHD, to uh, bipolar disorder, to depression, anxiety, OCD, and all these different things, I'm seeing more and more and more people that are coming in with these types of issues. It seems like half of this stuff is at epidemic level, certainly when it comes to autoimmunity. What does that have to do with Roundup? Well, the other thing that we find what that happens with glyphosate, and there's excellent studies to back this up, is that not only is it carcinogenic, but it has one major other problem associated with it that we're aware of, and that is that it wipes out good bacteria. It is very harmful to the microbiome, that is the good bacteria that is in and on our bodies, and that allows for bad bacteria, yeast, fungus, uh, parasitic things, and viral things to rule the roost, so to speak, inside of our bodies. That then can lead to things like leaky gut, which can lead to autoimmune disease. And if we go backwards a little bit, remember, if you're talking about just depression, what are the majority of antidepressants? They're SSRIs. Okay, that's selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And those SSRIs are designed to keep serotonin levels higher in the bloodstream, recycling the serotonin and allowing the body to be more balanced or the mind to be more balanced and reduce depression symptoms. Well, where does serotonin come from? The brain? No. Almost 90% of the serotonin that we produce is produced in the gut. So I talked about leaky gut, I talked about mental health issues, and all of it can come back down to glyphosate at least playing a role in this. And think about it, now we're talking about children's, that most of the stuff that EWG pulled out were common children's breakfast foods and snack foods like granola bars and oat-based cereals and 43% of them, or sorry, 43 out of 45 of them had glyphosate in them and two-thirds of those had too high levels to be considered safe according to EWG. So we're giving kids these foods and from the day that they're eating solid foods all the way up through adulthood. They're getting more and more and more exposure. And you and I have had that exposure. This stuff's been on the market since 1974. And over the last 10 years, it's been used 15 times as much as it was in the first 30 years of its existence. And now we have a problem. And this is what I want to really uh, boil this rant down to. And it's really simple. We have to vote with our wallet. The government 
is full of corrupt people. If you haven't figured that out yet, you haven't watched the news lately. But it's not the people that are on TV. It's not President Trump and and uh, Congress and and uh, the Senate necessarily. While you may say, well, yeah, those guys are corrupt too. Yeah, they're corrupt too, right? But sometimes it's these low-level people you never heard of, like Jess Rowland, that's help working with Monsanto directly to cover up the science that proves that their stuff causes cancer. This is a problem, right? And so the next time the government says, hey, something's safe, you ought to use this. We recommend it. Or something's safe, don't worry about it. It's okay if it's in the food supply. It's safe. It's fine. Let's maybe get a second opinion or a third opinion. And then if you're concerned about this, vote with your wallet. You know what's amazing? If you go to Costco right now, you can find hundreds of organic items at really reasonable prices, like maybe 10 or 15 or 20% more expensive than the conventional stuff, sometimes the same price. Why? Because there's huge consumer demand now. People want non-GMO. People want organic. You who are listening to this show right now are probably one of those people. And it's our pressure, not by writing Congress or uh, holding up signs on a parade route while we're trying to make an impression in people's minds. All of that stuff is good. But the holy dollar rules all. And all that Monsanto cares about is if that holy dollar is rolling back to them. And if we demand that we want non-GMO food, we want organic food, there will be less and less and less use of glyphosate because there will be more and more and more crops that are grown the right way without genetically modified seed, and organically. And that is a win for everybody, including our environment. Okay, so there's your rant. I know it went long, but I'm going to spend ample time on the information you need to help your kids in school because it's right around the corner, right? Next week for most people, or not next week, I guess the week after, uh, the, the uh, next episode of Vitality Radio will be the last one before school starts uh, for most kids in Utah. And that means that we need to get their minds ready for the grind, right? For the spelling quizzes, for the math quizzes, for just sitting there in school and wondering when it's going to end. If you've got a kid who struggles with that, and I'm not necessarily talking about kids with ADD, ADHD, although we're definitely going to talk about things that can help them, and I'm going to share some evidence that proves it. But just kids that are going to school and having to focus and concentrate, even if they're not diagnosed with some sort of ailment, there are things you can do to help their brain do exactly that and give them a more pleasant school year experience and, hey, help their teachers out a little bit too and certainly help you out when it comes to homework time. That's what we're going to talk about when we come back. You're listening to me. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online. 
others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email. Info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Of course, my name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio. Yeah, the rant went a little long. Uh, that sometimes happens. If you have questions about anything you heard in the rant, you can call us at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662 is the number. That's 801-292-6662. I am really excited to bring you this next part because I know that school is an interesting thing. It's a little bit of a mixed bag for parents, right? There's the excitement of the school year for the kids that are excited to go to school. There's the dread of the school year for the kids that dread going to school. And the biggest dread might come from kids that deal with anxiety because of school, deal with uh, things like ADD, ADHD, and that type of stuff, which makes it difficult to be attentive in class and score you know, appropriately on tests and so on and so forth. And of course, then there's that challenge of homework. Oh my word, what parent doesn't dread the late night homework assignment uh, that they need to help their child with, particularly again, a child who may struggle with school itself. And so what can be done in this case? Is it always about medicine? No, it's not always about medicine. The first thing that I mentioned last week when we talked about immune health and back to school was sleep. It's a big deal, a really, really big deal, especially for the brain. And so let's not forget that. Make sure your kids are getting enough sleep, getting them in bed a little earlier, letting them sleep more on the weekends. Those types of things make a difference, a really big difference. Also, make sure that their brain is getting hydrated with just simple water. Too many kids nowadays that are only drinking soda pop and juice and Capri Suns and those types of things, all of which contain water. That's good. We want to make sure you're getting water from some source, but real water all by itself sometimes isn't a bad thing. Make sure your kids are getting water, that they're getting at least half their body weight in ounces of some sort of fluid, preferably not soda. All of that, very, very important. But what about supplements? Are there things supplementally that can help with my child's focus and attentiveness in school with maybe some of the hyperactivity that might occur that might drive the kids, uh, or the, well, the other kids, and of course the teacher crazy. 
Are there things you can do? The answer is a resounding yes, and we have lots of clinical research to prove it. So the first thing is we always want to look at deficiencies, right? What might be deficient in my child that would make him or her struggle with this uh, attention deficit or inability to focus in school even if they haven't been diagnosed with something like that? Well, one of the biggies in terms of deficiency because it's a huge one across the board for Americans in general, not just kids, is omega-3. Omega-3 is a big deal. Now, how do we get a kid to take omega-3? I've got a surprise for you in just a minute that you may not believe. We'll talk about that. But what is omega-3? First off, essential. Essential fatty acids. And I really want to emphasize the word essential. Our bodies require these and do not produce these unless they are given uh, the omega-3s. And the primary way you can get omega-3 is fish. A lot of kids not eating a lot of fish. The fish they might be eating, tuna fish, eh, not that high in omega-3s. One place you can get omega-3s in food now are eggs that are uh, fortified with omega-3 and I actually highly recommend that. I think that's a good idea. You can get as much as 300 milligrams uh, in uh, some eggs and that's not a small dose. That's actually pretty good. Clinically, we want children between the ages of 8 and 12 to have about a thousand milligrams of omega-3. That's not a thousand milligrams of fish oil but a thousand milligrams of omega-3. If your child can swallow a pretty good size soft gel capsule that can be done in one capsule a day. But there's a couple of cautions with omega-3 and, and I'm jumping the gun. Let me tell you why it matters first. Let's talk about just one study that was done and there are hundreds of studies that have been done on omega-3. There's maybe nothing in, in supplementation that's been studied more and been more proven than omega-3. Multiple studies show that children specifically with ADD and ADHD uh, have significant benefits, but even kids that aren't diagnosed, that are just when they're just studying overall brain health, cognitive function, and things like that, have done very, very well on with omega-3. One study published in the Journal of Pediatrics is particularly very interesting to me. During a three-month trial, children with behavioral and cognitive problems were given a thousand milligrams of omega-3 daily, and significant improvement was seen in three categories: behavior reading and spelling. That in and of itself might sound like a godsend to some parents, right? A thousand milligrams a day of omega-3 with significant improvement in behavior, reading, and spelling. And this is important too. We are focused on brain health here, but it's critical for your heart and cardiovascular system. There is no downside to giving your child omega-3. And I will remind you, while it's awesome for kids, it's awesome for you too. Everybody should be supplementing with this stuff. It's really a critical thing. Now, how do we get omega-3 into a child? Fish oil capsules, if you've ever taken them, they're big. A lot of kids won't swallow a big old capsule like that. If your child will, I've got one that one capsule will give them that thousand milligrams. Makes it really easy if they can swallow it. But guess what? There is an omega-3 supplement you may not be aware of that tastes like dessert. And I absolutely promise you, I am not kidding. This stuff is amazing. It comes in an extra strength form that is a citrus, kind of an orange 
cream flavor and a lime cream flavor. And my daughter and son, my eight-year-old, my five-year-old, heck, my 19-year-old, I open up the fridge, I pull the bottle out, they tip their head back like they're a little baby robin waiting for a worm. It's amazing because the stuff tastes like dessert. It really does. We have free samples of Vitality. I dare you to bring your child in and let them taste it and see what you think. One tablespoon gives you 1,500 milligrams of highly bioavailable and delicious and I, I'm, I swear I'm not exaggerating. You know I'm a straight shooter if you're a regular listener to the show. Delicious omega-3. So really, really great stuff. You got to give that a shot. Um, that's the first step. It really is. The next step, because it's another very key deficiency, and it's not just a concentration thing, but it also can help your child who struggles with sleep. It can help your child who struggles with stress response and anxiety, and that is magnesium. Magnesium is a big deal. Heck, it can help your child who's constipated if you've got a child like that. And again, this applies to you as an adult as well. But magnesium is critical. I take it every day, and I can tell you the days that I miss it, I don't feel as good. Uh, Regularity is not as good. Energy is not as good. There's a lot of things that magnesium plays a role in, and it is a critical element, and it can really help to calm the mind, the body. It's amazing, and the clinical evidence is absolutely astounding. If you've got a child who has growing pains, any kind of cramping, like I said, constipation, headaches, has a hard time sleeping, has a hard time with focus, you've got to get magnesium in there and make sure that that deficiency isn't the reason, or better yet, hopefully it is the reason and you can see a huge improvement. And there are some really delicious ways to take magnesium as well. Now, caution. Back to omega-3 because I almost forgot, and it's important, there's a ton of ways you can take omega-3, and a ton are marketed towards kids. And if you're looking at a gummy, or you're looking at a little capsule that has a strawberry flavor or something like that as an omega-3 source, I'm not going to say any of those are bad, but they're not strong enough. You've got to use a lot. And so don't just think because a bottle of omega-3 says omega-3 that that's what your child needs. You've got to look at the potency. It's a big deal. Kids under 8, it's usually recommended 5 to 700 milligrams. Kids 8 to 12, it's recommended about 1,000 milligrams. Kids from 12 to 18, closer to 1,500 milligrams. And adults, more like 2,000. So it's not a small dose, but again, that uh, flavored one I was telling you about that tastes absolutely delicious. One tablespoon gives you 1,500, so it's not that hard to do. Okay, what else can be used? Now, one thing that I am pretty much in love with, and I popped two of them right before I started uh, researching the show because it really, really helps, is something called Pharma GABA. That's G-A-B-A. Now, GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. Inhibitory neurotransmitters basically calm overreaction in the brain and overactivity in the brain. When the brain is racing, when you're having a hard time falling asleep because your brain won't turn off, you're having a hard time focusing on one task at a time because your brain's jumping from one to another to another, GABA is the uh, neurotransmitter that our body, one of the neurotransmitters that our bodies will uh, utilize to try and calm that down. But check this out. According to WebMD, 
GABA is a neurotransmitter that blocks impulses between nerve cells to the brain, and low levels of GABA may be linked to anxiety or mood disorders and epilepsy. Now, according to multiple studies, but one in particular that I found quite fascinating as I read about it, GABA concentration is absolutely reduced in children with ADHD specifically when compared with typically developing control subjects. So if we're deficient in GABA, our minds are unable to calm themselves and bring that balance. And so GABA as a supplement can make a lot of sense. And I'm telling you, this pharma GABA is pretty amazing stuff. And it's important, just like what I said about omega-3s, you've got to be cautious with what kind you're getting and what potency you're getting. Not all GABA is created equal. Most GABA is synthetic. Pharma GABA is not. It's very interesting stuff. It's a fermentation that comes from Japan. And recently, a study was conducted in Japan by researchers from Kyoran University Medical School, which involved 66th graders. The students were divided into two groups and received either 100 milligrams of pharma GABA or a placebo. The students then took a math test and were also evaluated for signs and feelings of stress. Now, the results of this test are amazing and dramatic, to say the least. The average number of answers given by the pharma GABA group was 20% higher than the placebo group, and the number answered correctly also increased by 20%. Now think about that. What's 20% out of, I mean, we're talking math students here, and I know you're probably not a math student, but you might be the parent or grandparent of one. This 20% increase, that's huge, right? I mean, think about how things are graded. That's not a small difference. That brings your C to an A kind of a thing, right? So 20% can be big. Not only was it 20% more accurate answers, but 20% more answers were given. So they were able to focus and get more answers done and the level of uh, accuracy with those answers was increased. That's a big deal. But not only that, the study also looked at markers of stress. Kids that have stress, uh, or sorry, anxiety that is induced by tests. It's called test anxiety. It's a big deal for young kids. It's a big deal for college kids as well. GABA can be a possible answer. These markers included measuring the amount of stress-related hormone in the saliva, as well as how much anxiety the children were experiencing during the study. And both subjective and objective measures of stress indicated that pharma GABA group was considerably more relaxed and focused than the placebo group. GABA is a big deal. It really is. And I'll tell you, we have a lot of people, a lot of people, adults and children alike, that love the chewable Pharma GABA. Uh, it also comes in a capsule if you don't want to chew it. But the chewable one tastes good. It really does. I, I literally, almost every week when I'm preparing the show, I'm either grabbing a couple of GABA or a couple of theanine. Theanine is another one that comes in a chewable that I absolutely love, although I'm having a hard time getting it at Vitality right now. Uh, so we don't actually have any of the theanine, but we should have it next week finally. I love them both kind of equally. Probably theanine a little more than GABA for me personally because it helps to calm stress as well as bring the GABA levels up. But for kids that are specifically struggling with um performance when it comes in school. Again, whether they're ADD or ADHD or they're not, just overall performance with these kids, 20% increase in the uh, math test scores. And uh, just that's, it's huge. And I've had 
dozens of parents over the years tell me that their child has benefited from taking GABA uh, before they go to school and after they come home uh, to help with homework and things like that. And believe it or not, the chewable tastes like a really mild sweet tart. It's actually really easy to give to your child as well. Uh, one thing that I've, I've really fallen in love with this GABA theanine thing and the chewables in particular, and I was able to negotiate something over at Vitality Nutrition where we're actually able to give 20% off on them every day as well. So that's pretty cool as well. So you get a discount, you get a product that's very, very safe. They have not found an unsafe level of GABA. Uh, it's recommended usually one to 200 milligrams, anywhere from one to three times a day uh, for kids, depending on the size of the child and frankly, just how well it works. So really, really cool stuff there. Something else that I found, and this is interesting too, because one limitation of GABA is that it does have a tough time breaking through the blood-brain barrier. There's differing levels of research that show that maybe it does a little better uh, or maybe it doesn't as well as they thought. It kind of bounces around a little bit, but we know that it's a struggle. And we believe from the research that pharma GABA crosses the blood-brain barrier more effectively than synthetic GABA. And so it is important that you're looking for pharma GABA specifically. It seems to be the best one. And you can use a much, much lower dose too, like 100 milligrams is equal to about 800 milligrams. But there's an herb called lemon balm. And lemon balm actually reduces the enzyme that breaks down GABA, and so it allows more GABA to cycle in the brain. And that's very interesting because there was a study done on 169 children with symptoms of ADHD. ADHD. They took a combination of two things, valerian root and lemon balm extract. After seven weeks, their lack of concentration decreased from 75 to 14 percent. Hyperactivity decreased from 61 to 13 percent and impulsiveness decreased from 59 to 22 percent. Social behavior, sleep, and symptom burden all also improved. Wow. Now that is a study. And I always caution you, we can't put too much emphasis on a study. I mean, heck, we learned during the rant that uh, studies can be manipulated and even ghost written uh, by uh, these corporate clowns at Monsanto. But what we have found is that if you look at the uh, bulk of the evidence when it comes to GABA, when it comes to magnesium, and especially omega-3 because the evidence is just overwhelming. What we know are a couple of things. First off, safety. They're very, very safe. Second, it looks as if they are very efficacious as well. And third, kind of worst case scenario, they don't help. But in the case of fish oil and magnesium, if they don't help your child with the ADD, ADHD type issues, they can absolutely help with overall health because they're necessary ingredients they're probably deficient in anyway. Okay, I've got just a couple minutes left and I want to uh, raise a little bit uh, more uh, awareness on this whole probiotic thing. Now, last week I talked about probiotics being a big deal for kids uh, going back to school because about 70 to 80 percent of our body's immune response has to do with what's happening in the gut microbiome meaning the good bacteria, how much is there and how effective is it at fighting off illness. But I mentioned earlier in the rant, serotonin. 
80 to 90% of serotonin produced in our bodies produced inside the gut. Well, guess what? There are studies, and I had never read this before until prepping for today's show. I love how much I learn every week uh, just getting ready to give this show. Anyway, I got to uh, a point in the show where, or in the preparation where I found something very, very interesting. There are two probiotics specifically that we know of, probably a bunch more considering there are over 2,000 in the human digestive system, but two that we know of that actually help the body to produce more GABA. So it still comes back down to this. Now, I mentioned GABA as a supplement because I think it's extremely useful, like really useful. However, it's not a necessary nutrient. It's not even anything you can get in food. We have to make it either through fermentation or some synthetic process. And so I don't believe that GABA is something that everybody needs to take. I do believe that it's very effective. But if we can get the body to do what it's supposed to do in the first place, and the best way to do that is give the efficient or sorry, the essential nutrients, things like omega-3 and magnesium, trace minerals, that kind of stuff, and also get the microbiome back up. Get the probiotic levels up. When you are looking at your child who's struggling in school, again, whether diagnosed with something or not, you have to ask yourself, what happened during the first four years? Was the, was the child born with a, uh, through cesarean section? Was the child breastfed uh, or formula fed? If the child was born C-section like I was, they're deficient right out of the gate because the birth canal itself is an absolute beautiful thing in terms of bestowing on our children these wonderful uh, bacteria that are required for their health. If they were not breastfed for at least 12 to 15 months, thankfully my mom who had me C-section also breastfed me for a couple of years. So I got uh, one end but not the other and both matter. Uh, if you had a child who struggled with things like strep throat or ear infections or sinus infections, anyway, ended up on antibiotics in a significant way then you've got a child who is probably deficient in the microbiome. And so we always want to remember that. Get them on something called a spore-forming probiotic. There are a variety of ways to do it. There are gummies. I don't love gummies. I don't love gummies as a, as a supplement source. But in the case of probiotics, there are some really great gummies to get the bacteria levels back up. They taste good, like really good. I give them to my kids. They love them. There's also capsules that are pretty easy to swallow, uh, products called Just Thrive, another one called Back on Tract. They're excellent to get your um, good guys back up because they help to feed all the bacteria in the gut, not just certain strains. And that can help with things like serotonin. It can help with other neurotransmitter production like GABA and so on. So there's a big, big benefit to getting the gut health up both for the immunity and for the brain. It matters a lot. Okay, well, I've successfully for once giving you all the information I had written down it's kind of amazing actually uh, usually I feel like I'm uh, leaving about 20 or 30 percent on the table but uh, it's been another 
thrilling episode of Vitality Radio. At least I hope that some of what I said was useful for you. If you like what you hear on this show, please go tell somebody. Let's build this audience and get more people listening and learning about how to take care of their health, hopefully without the need for pharmaceuticals and surgeries. That's why I bring Vitality Radio to you. If you have questions about anything you heard on the show today, you can call us at Vitality Nutrition, the home of Vitality Radio. 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. That's how you get a hold of us at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful. We're at 107 South, 500 West. If you don't want to make it to Bountiful, you're way too far away or it's hard to get up here, we can take care of you over the phone. Give us a call anyway. We'll make sure you get what you need. 801-292-6662. Remember to find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Vitality Radio. Thank you so much for listening to me, Jared St. Clair. This has been another episode of Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.